Aloha, my beautiful friends on the other side of the screen or in your earplugs. My name is Kristara Lakshmi-Ditten coming to you from beautiful sunny California and San Diego today. And I welcome you to this beautiful Abundance in Action podcast where today we have a very special guest, Volev Laupe from New York. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So Volev and I, we know each other for quite many years uh, through our common Estonian friends in New York. Uh, Tina Tam and Uno Hapakuk are two of those wonderful people. And when I got introduced to you, I was uh, overwhelmed almost. Like you, you came into my reality like, like a tsunami wave <laughs> with your kindness and your presence and uh, your uh, really helpful uh, spirit. It was uh, really mind-blowing. And we did a couple of lives and videos and little mini projects together. And um, we have been kept in touch ever since. And um, it's really, really amazing to have you in this podcast today. Well, thank, thank you. Absolutely the same. Same. I mean, it's been now, I think, four years or so. So it's, it's, been, yeah. it's been a while that we've known yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Volev is uh, quite a man. In Estonian, we have a saying, a man like an orchestra. <laughs> so um, you are actually born, you have been born in Estonia in a little uh, village um, in Vuru County. But uh, you have been in New York for quite many years now. And you are based in New York now. You are entrepreneur, producer, creative visionary, and also a co-founder of a creative design and brand marketing company, the VL Studios. And currently, the VL Studios represents over 20 companies and productions, including Kalevala, the musical, Helen Yarmuk, uh, Viking um, Beauty Secrets, In Proximity Theatre Company, Marquis Brand Builders, and over his career, uh, Laube has had an honor to work on projects for companies such as Kenneth Cole, Steve Madden, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, among many others. And in 2020, he was also nominated to the Forbes Under 30 list in the United States. In addition, I would say that as much as I did extra research about you, you are such a um, you have such a holistic approach uh, in branding building. And you have um, not only um, building the branding, but also you do it in such a uh, big leadership scale. And you, you help people to accelerate not only branding, but I think also themselves as, as persons and personalities. And that's such a crucial thing. You also uh, seem to really well put together people um, and expertise in design and marketing and uh, unite these people and professionals um, in addition to marketing, um, executing and stuff. In addition to all of these things, also what has been, I think, very influential and amazing project which I've done in New York is actually the New York Estonia Culture Days. Um, and you were the art of director for um, actually a couple of years. And you also did um, a huge project, which is uh, which was actually uh, released in Washington, um, the National American Gallery. You had the tonality of culture production, and you have also supported several other Estonian artists uh, who have been coming to um, New York or who actually are currently based there. So. 
thank you for being here and welcome. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of big words. I'm like, oh, my lordy, <laughs> what is that essay? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just I, I love, I love um, creative things. And, you know, I have a creative background. And the more I've, I've learned about um, various kind of technical and design things, the more I want to, you know, use my skills and give it back to the community that I come from and, and share, share my expertise and align them with, with kind of my passion. So, so that's kind of how it all happened. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of by accident. So, <laughs> I I bet that as a as a small boy in this rural county village, you had no idea that you end up one day in New York, or did you? No. Well, it's it's a weird, it's a funny story actually, because the, the so the company, the VL Studios, is a very very new company. So we we founded it um, together with an amazing entrepreneur of a same school. We we founded it. Um, last year, yeah, beginning of last year. So it's been like a year and a half now. Um, but I've been doing this type of work for like six, seven years now since really since I was um, kind of a teenager. Um, but but it was, it was, the funny part is that when we had the opening party, my sister, who's a musician, so she she came to New York and, and, and she, she completely surprised me by giving this little speech um, and showing a drawing that I had made in like a music camp where I already drew. So it was kind of an inspirational thing, right? Everybody drew kind of what, what they're looking forward to and what they want to, you know, happen in their life. And that was before I had moved to Italy and before the U.S. was in my minds and before anything. And I had drawn like like a sketch of a city. And I wrote there that one day I want to live, live in a big city. I just always felt that that's where I, you know, belong. Um, so it's, it's, it, I never like imagined it working out this way, <laughs> but apparently it was in my, it, it was in my mind for, you know, forever, uh, longer than I can kind of remember. So. <laughs> and shortly, can you, can you tell us, um, how did you end up, um, in United States and New York? So, um, that's quite an adventure you have had. So yeah, I was uh, like you said, I was born in Estonia in a in a small village of maybe I don't know 150 200 people, so really in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by forests and very kind of um, it was kind of a Soviet village, but surrounded by lots of nature. Um, and then um, I moved out of home really early on when I was 15. So I moved to the second biggest city, which is known as university town, uh, Tartu. Tartu. Um, so I, so I moved there and I actually graduated my primary school already there. So even though most of my, you know, I, I went to school for eight years in a, in, in a tiny village, like my, my resume doesn't even mention it because I never graduated there. And then afterwards I, um, at the time, I was already very much interested in graphic design, and I was playing violin and went to a music school. Um, so, you know, all these different hobbies and creative passions—they were already there. It's just I didn't—I didn't know what to do with this, and and I even did some kind of like youth activism. I was involved in the Estonian Student Councils Union at the time, and um, so I was just like kind of trying out different things. I remember like one year when I was all in had like a folk music band and performed another year. I was really focused on like doing graphic design for local newspapers. And then one year I went all in with youth activism and this kind of, 
you know, I, I wrote like opinionated kind of article pieces about what students kind of want and need and what they're looking for. Um, so, so it, it never, you know, I kind of, I tested my waters and then I, I got an amazing opportunity to study at the United World College of Adriatic in Italy. So it's an international school of only 200 students, but from more than 90 different countries. So that, that was definitely a very unique kind of diverse, you know, environment to live in, like nothing, like, you know, anything, I, I think, I, I still look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, like in, even New York City, as diverse as it is and, and crazy as it is to me at the time that Italian school felt like, you know, the craziest place ever. Um, and then, you know, after that, I, I um, so then I, 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 my studies were mainly focused in um, economics and philosophy. So again, trying a little bit different things, but but I kind of came back to graphic design and then started, um, that's when I started doing the first kind of gigs. Um, I designed the I did graphic design for the Adriatic Times for a couple of years um, and, and just various kind of CD album covers and festival posters and all kinds of different things. Some, some back in Estonia and some, some in Italy. Um, and then I ended up in the United States. So, so I got my bachelor's done at the University of Rochester in upstate New York. And that's around the time when we met, like mm-hmm. the last years there. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's like in summary, the story, which is I yeah. just one thing led to another and it wasn't planned out. And none of it was like, oh, I want to, you know, this is what I want to do. It was more like, what are you passionate about? And I'm so grateful that my family was, allowed me to explore these different passions. And, and of course, the fact that Estonia is so, you know, internet connected. So I was able to go online and, you know, go to, well, YouTube wasn't that big yet, but, um, but go online and just read about different things, read about designers or musicians and listen to things. So, so that's really where the passion came from. And I think you touch here a very important topic, which is um, slightly kind of going into the direction what our podcast is about. Um, so we believe uh, with my husband that, you know, uh, each one of us, we have like a treasure box inside, but we need to take the time to explore it and experiment. And as you said, test the waters. And so many times we just maybe focus on one thing or two things because the society has that projection on us or I don't know our family is waiting or they have some expectations who we should become and then we get lost in in that chaos of all these expectations and who am I to become and so on but you really like jump in and uh, tested one thing and like being in a buffet, you know, and then figuring out like, you know, how to make it all work for you. And what's that, you know, yummy sauce or yummy soup for you. And now you have figured it out. Like how amazing is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I I do have to give credit to, to my upbringing. So my mother was, you know, we, we weren't, we were very poor at the time, but but my mother always had very strong kind of principles. So you know, when I when whenever I I wanted to give up playing violin, she would kind of give me the push. Or initially, even studying English. I mean, I was awful, uh, awful at English. And then my my sister kind of would give me that push. So so there there was definitely like this like I had the passion, but my family and and people who surrounded me, they kind of held me accountable and, and saw that passion and, and gave me that little nook um, that I sometimes needed. 
um, just to just to learn because there is a lot of like passion is really glamorous and exciting, but then there's also so much hard work and things that are routine and boring and you know and a lot of kids they kind of give up. So I was also very grateful to you know to have, uh, grateful to have that family and and supportive system. Yeah, support is so crucial. Um, I grew up not that much of that kind of support. Uh, so I had to kind of uh, do that later on my own. And um, I have also looked back into my life and all of the things I've discovered from social anthropology, documentary filmmaking, becoming a healer, energy coach, and so on and so on, and being also a business uh, owner. All of these things have given me understanding who I am and also who is or what is the main mission and what is it I can bring to the world and then yeah. fine tuning it and um, making it better for myself as well for the people who need me. So uh, that's a whole journey why we are here on this yeah. planet, I believe. Yeah, and, and things are interconnected. I mean, they're interconnected. The, the fact that I studied music helps me now understand some of my clients that are in that industry so even though i'm not you know nowhere as professional or as good as they are um i can i can kind of hear certain things when we're working on a production or or i can just understand certain struggles when we're going on set to record something that you know just just things to be aware of um and to be able to put yourself in in other people's shoes um, and understand, you know, when they're stressed out, why is it this way? So they, they're all like interconnected. And at the end, it yeah. doesn't matter, even if you, as a child, you study violin and then you become an accountant, hypothetically, still you always meet people who come from different backgrounds and different, um, they work in different, you know, industries. And, and having that experience allows you to do a better work, no matter what, it, what it's going to be at the end. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Um, now, as you were going through these different experiences and also moving from one country and also from one continent to another, you definitely face some fear and challenges. Um, would you share with us uh, what are maybe two or three key points how you face fear and go through it um, so that our listeners and viewers could also put them to use in the future? Well, I mean, I, I'm, um, I, I've been very fearful of, of kind of not, um, not meeting certain expectations. And I think everybody has that, right? Um, a weird thing that I was, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who, who is at, um, going to a grad school in Chicago. And we were talking about this, that, you know, she's, she's worried about her, sometimes her finances or sometimes, you know, about like, you know, is it whatever she's doing right now kind of worth it? Or is it, is it even, is it even moving in the correct direction, right? Or right direction. And I think there, there's, the trick is that, you know, imagine yourself, well, think about the struggles that you've been worried, been thinking about and being worried about in the past. And now looking back to those times, you realize that they really, they really weren't such big things to even worry about and and obviously at the you know present time being worried is a good thing but also what i've realized is that there is always a factor of time so you should trust the fact that certain things are going to figure themselves out over time that it's not only you who's fighting towards you know studying 
something or, or, you know, getting the best test results or exam results. But there's also s- certain things that just time heals or time put, puts them into perspective. Um, and, and being anxious about it that, oh, I don't have enough time or, you know, I'm this and this many years old and, and I haven't achieved enough. I think it's just letting that go and trusting that the nature and just the factor of time is going to calm you down in, in, in longer perspective. So, so maybe it's really not, not something that you should be worrying about right now. It's something that you should kind of give in and, and trust the, the passage of time. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've learned. Um, and there's still definitely like struggles. And when I, when I moved, um, I was, I mean, I was worried about everything. Like, can I get into the best university? Does the university make sense? Um, you know, what if I want to study something different and the university doesn't have that program or what if the program isn't good enough, you know, and, and then you're worried about, well, you know, how can I, how can I get my, you know, scholarships and what if I don't get the scholarship? And then what if I, you know, get the scholarship, but from a school that I don't want to go to, or what if I'm, you know, I don't find a job. And at the end, your your past self cannot um, figure out your future problems. You grow with time and then you become also more compatible and more competent to take on those challenges. And sometimes it's just a few days can make a difference. You meet somebody like Crystal, right? And and then you, you become inspired and you find that strength within yourself and it's just your mind shifts a little bit. Um, so just trusting that, um, and trusting that that you're growing and you're changing, and and unless it's something you have to you know worry about at this exact minute, until you're moving somewhere, it's going to lead to somewhere else, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all worried. I mean, I was so worried as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I really resonate with everything what you say, and one thing which um, is connected to this topic is also throughout my years of traveling, also to so many countries and living in so many continents. Mm-hmm. I actually one thing which I've really learned is um, uh, what um, is basically, you know, being in the moment and experiencing and being present, and also it has the gifts. And even if you don't understand what those are for your future. There is always something divine in it. Like, you know, um, even when it seems like, wow, this is a mistake. Or as you said, like, oh, this is probably not going the right direction. Everything is divine, even if it doesn't seem like. There are so many times in my life and probably also in yours and many others who are listening today as well, where things are taken away from you or opportunities are taken away or people leave your life Mm -hmm. or they die. And then something, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) then something, yeah. And then something bigger comes or something better comes and you would have no idea that this was there waiting for you, you know? Um, And that's part of being human, being in this body (laughs) and living this life as a journey. And, and we are, we are kind of organic, you know, beings and our brain is an organic thing right that keeps adapting and adjusting to different situations so so it's it's i i would yeah i would look at this almost in a way that for example if you learn a different language or you know some people they move to the u.s and they're like well maybe my accent isn't good enough um and i always say that accent is something yeah you can go to a coach who's gonna 
you know, teach you a certain accent. And a lot of people in entertainment industry, that's what they do, right? Because they need it for their work. You can go there and you can learn it, but still, even if you perfect it to, you know, 100% perfection and you come to New York, somebody can still point out that, oh, you're not, you weren't born here. And that happens and that happens everywhere. And the thing with accents is the more you live in the environment, the more you change and your accent changes. So you can learn the skill of having a perfect American accent, for example, but you really need to be there and be persistent and, and be open to, to change and trust yourself that the time and your own organic brain is going to change and keep up with the pace um, so eventually you'll get there and, and, and that's really, you just got to trust that process. You cannot mm-hmm. just, you know, be home and be like, I'm going to be the you know, best entrepreneur and, and raise $2 billion. No, you're probably, you're going to fail, but you're going to learn so much from this. So just yeah. trust the process. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a good uh, tip. Um, I've had so many experiences. I bet you have had it too, where I meet someone for the first time, especially here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So they say, oh, your accent is very different. Like, where are you from? And then they start to try to figure it out. So, and then I give them three questions because none of them have ever <laughs> like managed to like, you know, just right. on the spot say like you are right. from there. So I say, okay, I give you some hints. So uh, we developed Skype, our country developed Skype. And then we, um, we uh, got our second independence with Singing Revolution. And uh, what's your guess, uh, Valev? Has anyone so far guessed where I'm from after those two Well, based, based on my experience, no. I mean, in New York yeah. City, people people know a little bit more, uh, especially taking, you know, that we live in, you know, 2020 and all the protests that have been going on and things. I think people have learned. I mean, I recently saw an article in U.S. media about, like, Singing Revolution as, you know, an example of a peaceful protest and change in a country. Um, so I think I think in New York City, I've, I've met more people who kind of know about some of these things. But when I lived outside of the city, I mean, yeah, obviously not. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And that's and that's, again, like it's just so far apart and such a tiny country. So so I think I think it's also good that certain cultures are a little um, treasures to be found as opposed yeah. to globalized and. Because it's the same with American culture. I mean, there's a globalized version of what American culture is. And then you come to the U.S. and you live in certain parts and you start, you know, learning these different treasures that that don't always align with kind of the global notion of American culture. So so I'm glad that Estonia is a little bit of a treasure that people can yeah, find. So <laughs> actually, it's so exotic. Uh, first, yeah. I was also, I was so like, embarrassed like what the heck like you know it's a bad thing but now it's like no it's my exotic uniqueness I have here yeah and uh, when I brought Michael to Estonia first time it was like I experienced Estonia like the very first time myself Mm -hmm. like all Mm -hmm. of the things I'd taken for granted I had to show him and give the experience like you know going into the sauna and you know, uh, whipping with their birch tree and you know yeah. all those things. And that was like so exciting for him. It was like, oh, my God, yeah. like your country is so rich. And, you know, <laughs> uh, taking him to the singing um, the festival, the, the festival song festival. Grounds. 
Yeah. Yeah. And with all these people, they're like, oh my God. It was like, uh, he couldn't believe it. It's like, oh my God, what, what an extraordinary country it is. So. Yeah, the country still keeps changing. I mean, when I went back from Italy to to the capital, I saw like whole new buildings and and so so many new businesses being created. And it 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 already you know within a couple of years it had changed. So now, last time when I was back in Estonia, that was uh, two and a half years ago, I didn't actually get a chance to go to the capital. I I, I flew to Riga, uh, to Latvia, but. Um, but it, it it changes and constantly like like any culture and any city um and and that's that's exactly what i'm saying like the global kind of stereotype i think changes a little bit slower than the local local neighborhoods or cities or you know places like that it's exciting i mean when i go back i'm like a tourist in estonia so that's that's also fun <laughs> yeah so um now you have been in new york also during all this craziness what we have uh, been going through here in 2020 and maybe with some words you would express and and share uh, how that experience has been and also what you see uh, some of the things have changed and some of the same like the new yorkian uh, spirit is there (laughs) still and how that expresses itself and then also we kind of guide into like deeper shadowy areas, um, which we uh, agreed prior this, uh, we'll look into <laughs> that as well in the very end part of it. Um, it's been interesting. I mean, it's it's definitely changed a lot. And, and there was, especially the first couple of months, I mean, I was, um, I watched an interview um, of a European who, who moved back to Europe and, and she was super positive and, she was like, "Oh no, it's there's still so many good things and and stuff." And you know, at the time, I was like, "No, that's that that wasn't really the case." So, city really, the city really went into kind of like a depressive state at some point. Um, and and you know, New Yorkers are very. I would. The reason why I moved here, right, is because New Yorkers to me are very honest and they they they're very direct and and you know if if things happen in their life they they tell you that hey sorry or they're you know running to the subway to get to work they can be a little bit rude and be like could you get, please get um away from me or like you know why are you standing on the wrong side of the escalator so um so it's but it's just the the fact that new yorkers love this energy and this boiling kind of excitement that that always goes on and then all of a sudden it stopped and i think people kind of it was kind of like a post like funeral mood here um for quite a little bit um and then plus of course people were you know worried about their jobs and and all that stuff um but that being said at the moment the way that new yorkers have responded to it i think is very typical new york i mean it's uh, new yorkers are resilient and and they kind of bounce back and you know, there's the joke about like, oh, if there's trash on the you know street, then New Yorker is just gonna you know step over and get to the subway. Like they don't care, <laughs> and that's kind of it's kind of this persistency and this determination that oh, I got to do something. So, so whatever, whatever kind of um, whatever obstacles there are, it's it's not you know it doesn't it doesn't change the way I see my own personal kind of goals or, or things that I have to get done. Um, 
but then on the other hand, there now now that things have started opening, and I think people have gotten used to this new new feeling of uh, of New York and and what it's like. I would say the same energy is kind of uh, coming back, and and it's just coming back in a different way. And when people are very you know negative about New York and they're like, oh, you know, it's never coming back, I say no. This city has seen huge crime rates. And when there were, you know, huge, you know, drug issues in the city and the gangs kind of taking over the streets and, and the city still, you know, came back, came back in a new way. And I think that's, I'm really excited to see that happening. Um, in my own neighborhoods here in kind of more upper west side of Manhattan, um, it's become more, even more bubbly. Like there's, there's more stuff happening and people are really on the streets and, you know, the gyms were closed. Now they're open, but um, they were closed. And then, you know, people would go to the park and work out and kind of wave from far away. So it's, there's a lot of this humanly stuff that's, that I, I never, I never lost and I never see it kind of going away. Maybe it's also because of the neighborhood that I live in, that people actually live here and they don't have the privilege of maybe, you know, going to Florida or maybe going to, to their summer houses or vacation houses. Um, so yeah, on a personal note though, I mean, it's, it's been tough. I mean, I lost, I lost um, quite a few friends and, and I think dealing with that is kind of jarring that you don't know, you don't know how to feel because it it doesn't feel like you've lost anybody. It just feels you get, it's like you get an email saying, well, this person is gone, but, but you know, the, the, the kind of tradition of meeting that person every week that was already broken months before. And now you get the announcement that, whoa, like this person is permanently gone and to me, I didn't, I didn't know like how, how to feel. Like at first I was like, well, it's really sad, but then I didn't really feel any of the sadness. And I think it's still, I think it's really going to kick in not having those people around when things are opening up and you go to your favorite piano bar and the pianist isn't there anymore that you used to see, you, you were used to seeing every weekend. So, you know, things like that have happened. And um, I think I was, pretty well prepared. So the thing we wanted to discuss was that a year before um, I, I really struggled with, well, I, I first started, you know, getting this kind of physical pain, um, which, which was odd. And it was kind of, you know, I, I didn't know how to respond to this because I started getting chest pains and then um, it would impact my work and ability to work and be productive and, you know, do the New York crazy things and run around the city and, and, you know, run to client meetings and run to the office and, you know, the typical New York kind of craziness. And all of a sudden I keep having these chest pains. Um, so, so I started feeling very bad about this and about my own professional work. Um, and then I finally, you know, I went to the doctor and they, they checked everything and they're like, no, it's fine. Your heart muscles are good. Your lungs look great we don't see anything. Then they did a blood, full blood test for like, is it allergies? Is it any sort of other disease? What could it be? Nothing. Like my eating habits aren't the best. Like if I go out for a couple of cocktails and I'm super hungry, I'll go to McDonald's. I don't care. (laughs) Like, Like I, or you get the dollar pizza or whatever, you know, greasy stuff. I'm, I'm not like crazy, crazy about like even super healthy foods. 
So I was surprised that all my blood works, they came back normal. Like they, like the doctor actually said that, Hey, like where, where do you live? Because apparently he only sees this, this healthy New Yorkers like a few times a year. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> um, so, but, but the, you know, the chest pains continued. So then I asked her, I was like, well, what could it be? And she said, well, it could be just anxiety. Um, and I had never thought of that. I, I, I coped with depression in the past. Um, you know, when, it, when I was in university, I was really dealing with that a lot and, and really throughout, you know, years. Um, but I, and I even, I was even on antidepressants at some point, uh, during, you know, um, when I was in Rochester. Um, but I never thought of anxiety. I never knew what it feels like or what it, what it might feel like. I didn't, I never understood when people are like, Oh, I'm anxious. Like I can't do this or I can't do that. I was like, you know, just push yourself through, like, go, go and do it, you know, try it. Um, to me, it was almost like, are you scared? Is that what anxiety is? I never, I never knew what it felt like. So then we tried, we tried a couple of medications and the first one actually, um, made it worse. And that's when I learned what anxiety felt like. Like I couldn't sit down after a meeting, you know, and, and it was, it was a complete, it wasn't like it was a crowded place or something. I was in my office, completely quiet. I could put music on. I could put all, you know, I could change the environment to the best of my liking as if I were at home. And I still couldn't create an environment where I could just sit down and do work in my laptop. I just, I kept kind of walking around the office and, and being like, you know, I'm, I'm getting the chest pains again, but I really didn't. Um, it, it was really odd. And, and then it happened a couple more times. I went to, I went to see, it was a client of mine. I was actually there. Uh, one of their preview shows, it was a uh, Broadway show. And I was there and I remember telling to my good friends, we were sitting in the crowd and, and the hall was kind of, half empty anyway, because it's the previews are usually for press and kind of friends and production team members. So they can still tweak little things. So I was there and I remember just telling my friends like, no, 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 I can't sit here between people. Like I, I, I just, I can't, I, I need my breathing room or, you know, I just felt again, the anxiety kicked in and I never knew what that felt like. So then finally they switched the medication and the second one made me extremely sleepy. So, <laughs> So made it even worse um, because then I didn't get any work done because I was sleeping constantly um, or I would only do, you know, work and sleep and have no social life. So then the depression kind of came back because I, I know that I, you know, what my triggers are and when I need like a good healthy balance. Um, and then eventually they kind of stopped. And I'm, I'm still thinking about what was the kind of magical pill that kind of made them stop because I stopped taking that medication slowly and went off of it. And it was in the beginning of the year when, when the COVID was just starting and all of a sudden I didn't have any more chest pains. So I think it was, again, first of all, the fact that I knew that it wasn't physical. It kind of assured that there's nothing wrong with your body, um, that it's fine that, you know, in the middle of the night, I, when I have chest pains, no, I don't have to call the ambulance. I'm totally fine physically. Um, it's not that. Um, I also tried, you know, taking, I'm not giving any advice here to anybody, but, you know, like drinking more tea and, and CBD oils helped and, you know, all these different things, which, which now I don't even do on a, you know, religious basis. So, 
I think it was just the fact that mentally I'd managed to kind of let it go and let, let that kind of fear go because I was at, at a certain point, I was so afraid and I've, you know, I've been very public about this on my Instagram stories and stuff. I was so afraid that even though I'm so young, you know, maybe there's something genetic um, and there could be some things that I know from my grandmother, but um, I, I was so afraid that, whoa, like what, what's, what's happening with me? And, and, you know, it, it felt like I'm getting a heart attack at, you know, while I'm in my twenties, which doesn't again, make any sense. Usually um, I was, I was just afraid that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of here, you know, far away from, from home and, and I have to pay my rent and bills and, and I have people who kind of depend on me um, and the company that's going on and, you know, the investors and contractors and all those people. So I just felt like, whoa, like what, what am I going to do if I don't have, if I don't have family here, if I can't do work anymore? Um, because I'm, I'm, I think due to my background, work is such an essential part of me. So when, when I wasn't able to do that, I, I really kind of lost my identity and I was like, you know, what's going to come of me if, if, if I lose my body, <laughs> my physical health. And then the fact that first, first it was it's the doctor that confirmed that, no, it's not physical. And I think then just trying these medications also kind of helped me just help forget what, what that pain felt like. And then kind of just admit to myself that, yeah, I do have still strength. I'm not dying here. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm totally fine. It just helped me, I think, shift my mentality back to kind of the equilibrium, the normal um, that I was supposed to be at. And then during COVID, it came back once. It came back in April. And and now I realize that, whoa, I think everything that's going on, the fact that we're, you know, locked here indoors, um, I wasn't going out as much. I didn't push myself to go out because usually, you know, you would be like, oh, I'm going to meet up with a client or I'm going to go to the office, which now isn't a thing still, um, or I'm going to meet up with a friend or, or something. Um, and now all of that was also gone. So I just started the, during the COVID period, I just started kind of making myself writing down some certain rules that I had to go for at least an hour long walk every other day or even every third day. Um, because when I came back, I just felt more relaxed and kind of better <laughs> and um, just making these little rules. And, and, and I'm, I'm such a, not like a routine type of person, but, but that kind of helped. And then it was gone again. Um, so it was, I, now I know that I think it was completely, completely mental, related to mental health, but I never knew what anxiety felt like. I never knew what the, the fact that mental health can impact your physical health. And I didn't know what were the you know, the triggers for my anxiety and that the chest pain could come back. And it's really like rehabilitating. Uh, it's, you know, you, you lose a certain part of who you are and what you're, you know, the person you're used to being, and that's also, I think, to many people with COVID, I mean, they've lost either their social life or maybe they've lost some people. So it's really, it's really not about like, oh, I'm sitting here, you know, in my, at home, but it's more about, you know, I've, I've lost a part of me because I can't do those things anymore. Um, but now that things have opened up, I, I think, 
you know, me and my couple of friends, we kind of formed a like triangular circle of friends that we would we would meet up with each other, try to meet up every week or every other week. And both like all three of us, we don't really see a lot of other people. Um so so we just kind of form this bond and then keep each other accountable and make sure that we have, you know, somewhere to go to when we don't feel that great or somebody to share some, you know, great successes with and, and just meet up in the park or something. So that's that's helped me <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And you said also a couple of other things which I really liked about uh, this topic. One was don't start to do Google research. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> That's what my doctor said immediately yeah. because I was like, oh, could it be like acid reflux? And then there's this the disease that I found on Google and this one. And she's like, no, 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 no don't go on Google because eventually, well, that's now my, my paraphrasing, but eventually everything leads to cancer. And then you're like, yeah, I'm dying tomorrow. Um, and especially if you're dealing with things that you don't even always know, right? Because I, I didn't know that mental health and physical health had these connections. I didn't know that mental health could lead to actual physical pain. I knew that in long run, yes, it can lead to obesity or like bad kind of behaviors, um, but I didn't know that they, they were so directly linked. Um, so especially if you, if you have a, you know, condition or a situation like mine and you're going on Google, I mean, you're freaking yourself even more out. You're, you're sitting in bed, looking at your small screen and thinking that, Oh, I have a heart attack now. Well, you know, you're far, far from there, <laughs> far from there. Mm-hmm. So don't Google, yours- no. Yeah, yeah. And trust experts. Said, and don't trust me. Don't do the same things I've done. Go to a doctor and yeah. or a therapist and um don't don't listen to people online who are just like, you know, take these pills or go and do this. No, like go to a doctor, they know about physical health, go to a therapist, they know about kind of mental health and tactics and things. And then obviously, you know, trust yourself. I mean, if you have certain, you know, you like playing music, for example, that could be therapeutic. And I think any therapist would tell you that, like continue with your hobbies um, mm-hmm. or any other you, things. Yeah. You also said and mentioned that um, to trust your body is also a very mm-hmm. crucial um, element yeah. in this process. And I so agree that, you know, that connection with our body and also, like you said, you you implemented new self-care routines and this is something i think this situation for everyone whatever way they experienced it um brought to the surface like wow i have to put self-care more to the priority list or higher at least on the priority list which maybe wasn't the case before yeah and it's it's a great it's been a great opportunity to you know be home and and learn about yourself things that that you know otherwise you wouldn't have time for or you would be distracted from i think i think a lot i I don't want to say that people have more time now because i think people are very stressed out about their jobs and work and and i'm i'm grateful to have my clients and you know i wasn't as much impacted there was an impact um a few months in yes but but i wasn't I'm, i'm you know it's being an entrepreneur, it's kind of, it comes back to me. So if I, if I do, you know, more work or better work, then, then I'm also, you know, directly impacted by this, but, but somebody else who has a nine to five job and, 
and who gets laid off and and can't find any new work um obviously they they're you know every single day is taken up by job search so i'm not saying that people have more time now but we do have i think less distractions such as you know we're not going for a happy hour every every day after work or we're not going to as many birthdays probably <laughs> or weddings or all these different kind of social things that that I'm not saying they're bad but um I think it's it's a time to self reflect and and find and and then once once things open up to to be smarter and come back and um yeah maybe reshape our 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 life a little bit yeah it's Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing. I think it's such a crucial, important um, insight you shared here and um, a, a food for thought uh, for everyone listening or watching. <laughs> just, just live yeah. your life that you don't regret what you do. And, and, and I, think, I think that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was trying to figure out like what words to use to wrap it really up, uh, what Wallab is about. And um, this, this little thing came up, so I'll share it with you and then you'll confirm if that feels mm -hmm. right and resonates. So um, it's basically like you are dealing with the art to build bridges between the digital and human existence and then also teaching humans how to package that digital from the human into digital yeah, yeah absolutely that's exactly what i do yeah that's exactly creating these brand brand experiences because a brand is never just a logo it's never just a website it's always an experience and it's something that impacts people and just building them in the digital world and then hopefully making a difference through that in the real world because they're becoming so intertwined anyway. So that's yeah. that's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And Thank um, you. we will put all the additional links um, be below the uh, in in this uh, podcast in the notes. And yeah. if people want to reach out, um, they will have all the details how to do that with you. So um, absolutely, I and and let's let's see what we can put into that folder. Maybe we can also put some links for like search engine optimization or yeah, whatever like could be gift. useful. Yeah, yeah, like a little gift, and they can always contact yeah. me. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank It's you. Been so fun. Thank you, <laughs> and all the best with all your projects. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, being here with me and Balev today and adventuring us um, in the depth of uh, these different topics. And because we had so much good stuff to share, uh, we actually um, are going to have another episode um, as a follow-up um, next time. So please check it out and uh, share it, uh, like it, review it and download it. Thank you so much and till the next time. Mahalo.